3: Thirsty edition. There we go, Thursday Edition, three dudes with a view. I'm Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris, has parked the bus and entered the building. Good morning, Clayton. Good
4: morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. You still got sick child at home? No. No. We're back in school today. Everybody's
3: well? Off to school. Good deal. Dude number one, Mr. Jimmy York. Good morning. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right. I've got a couple of special guests, but, well, not special. Uh, well, they are special guests, but they're also regular friends of the station. Uh, you know, and we, we love having them on uh, whenever they can drop by. And uh, dropping by this morning is Representative Scott Sapeki. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And a uh, member of the Murray County Commission, Jerry Bridenbaugh, who is also the chair of the Murray County Republican Party. How are you doing, man?
2: Good morning, everyone.
3: All right, folks. I think Scott said what he wanted to talk about. He's been sitting in uh, on the Special Committee on Education considering whether or not uh, federal funds can be uh, rejected by the state of Tennessee and we can do it on our own. If that were to happen, how that would work. Um, I noticed Tom Price was talking about that on the news this morning as I was driving in and uh uh, I didn't hear it all, but I, I understand that the Department, the U.S. Department of Education has declined to participate in person in these hearings, but has said that they would lend technical
5: assistance upon request. Scott, how the, how's that committee meeting well, going? It, it's been a very good committee. Um, the first week, there's been five meetings. And most of it has been uh, getting the backstory, the detail, on all the different titles: Title One, Two, Three, Four, and Title Seven, Title Nine, uh, IDEA. Uh, looking at, at what's school, uh, IDEA? IDEA uh, uh, Individual Disability Education Act. Okay, special uh, needs. Special needs. Thank, thank you, Mister York. Special needs. Uh, looking at the USDA Department of Agriculture, their their food that, that they that they send down to Murray County. Now that the USDA funds most of the the lunch programs. That's correct, okay. especially in Title One schools. United you know, States Department of Agriculture. Yeah, correct. And then the other one is the Department of Defense, uh, and how they fund our ROTC uh, programs in Murray County across the state of Tennessee. That's Junior ROTC. That's correct. And okay. so, and so what we what we looked at this this week was all of the the, the basics, the data, uh, the the programs, the policies. Uh, we had the uh, Sycamore Institute come in and give us some some um, um, some language about uh, do's and don'ts and policies and procedures that the states have to follow.
3: Now, what What is the Sycamore Institute? Uh,
5: it, it's a it's a think tank in education. Okay, and and then we had the uh, NCS NCSL National Committee of State Legislators. Yeah, they came in and gave us some more detailed uh, on how the feds interact with the state. Uh, requirements of of maintaining the funding, uh, the consequences of, you know, and it's very unclear. This is the part that's very unclear, is let's say we say we're not going to take Title I funding for special ed, and we're going to do it ourselves. It's very unclear in law, constitution, our our federal law, of whether or not the feds can say, well, if you don't take this money, then we're going to stop all the money. It's very unclear right there. And and one thing that NCSL... So,
3: let's give an example. So if you don't take the special ed money, we're
5: gonna stop the food money. Okay. Okay. And so just for an example. Right. Yeah. And that's that's not only that, that's that's cross departmentalism in the federal government, right? Because we're talking the Department of Education and then we're talking U.S. Department of Agriculture. Correct. And so, or uh, the Department of Defense with Junior ROTC. And so we're trying to figure out, one, do they have the constitutional power to do that? And so uh, uh, next week, there'll be four more meetings we'll be working on. Uh, We'll be bringing teachers teachers in to testify, administrators in to testify. We've already had school superintendents come in. And the main question and the two things I want everybody to realize is we're not talking about reducing the money to our schools at all. That's not on that's not being considered. What we're talking about is if the checks come from the state and the feds, is there an advantage to just having the checks come from the state to give our districts, our teachers and our students a chance at a better outcome in the classroom? Now I know I know we got Mike sitting here who is who is a teacher. What we're trying to figure out is if if we say no to the federal money, is there enough benefit to Mike the teacher in the classroom on the data collection, the testing, the programs that's going to give them more autonomy and freedom to spend more time educating our kids, less red tape, to get a better result? Right? And and so so far we have not heard that compelling argument yet. We're still waiting for it. So that's where hey, we are. Scott. Yes, sir.
0: Let me ask a question. A lot of confusion has been generated by people in the legislature talking about strings and all of that. Mm-hmm. Why can't you all list, one, this is the problem, two, this is the problem, to make it clear to the citizenry. And then the other thing is, will the will CA give up its federal money also?
5: CA? What do you,
0: yeah.
3: What, what
5: do you Columbia Academy. <clears throat> What what, what federal money do they take, Mr. York?
0: They get some federal money.
5: Can you can you give me the the I program?
0: Can't give you specific, but they do get federal funds from time to time.
5: I just i not have any knowledge of that, Mister York. The, the only right. the only funds I'm aware that they've been <coughs> able to receive is from the state with our school safety grants to providing safer schools, and they can pull down money for an SRO. But I'll be happy to look into that, Mister York. That's a question. I'm headed to Nashville today for some more meetings. Okay, I'll be. Well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll what ask.
0: about the strings? Can yeah. you list me three of the top strings that y'all are complaining about?
5: Sure, sure. Well, I can. talk The easiest one is nutrition. The easiest one is nutrition. Um, If you and if and if anybody wants to check me on this, go visit a school cafeteria, pick out the school you want to, and walk over to the trash cans and look at all oh, man, the food you
0: can't, you can't force kids there are nutritional meals you can't force kids to eat green beans i keep telling you all <laughs> <that>. okay well <laughs> all
5: m- right. mr mr york you asked me a question you have to let yeah, me finish but I'm the trying answer to tell
0: you, you're going off the deep end yeah, again and we well, had this discussion what about before.
5: beets i never okay, could now, eat the McNeil school it was mr york mr york i i i, I, I write it down folks I agree with you, Mr. York, but let me finish my comment first, and then you okay, can jump on ahead. me. Okay, fair enough. So you cannot you cannot make a kid eat food, but if you give the kids the flexibility to help create what they will eat, with the guidelines that the federal government has, there's no flexibility for our cafeteria staff to cr- to create a menu that the kids will stop throwing the food away and start eating it the kids would choose chicken nuggets that's
0: full of different chemicals and french fries for every meal
5: okay so so mr york let me ask you a question and you know this is true mr york there are kids that show up to school every day and the only meal they get is the one that's provided by our school system a nutritional meal,
0: okay. right, that's so, provided by federal guidelines, exactly.
5: Okay, so Mr. York, what you're saying, Mr. York, is you would rather the school have to prepare food for a kid that is only going to get the meal that they're going to get that day at school and be forced to prepare a meal for them that they know the kid won't eat. Is that what you're they, saying? They
0: don't know that.
5: So you're they okay, Mr. York, with the kid going home hungry. I just want to get that on the record real quick.
0: I mean, the choice is to, to encourage kids to eat a nutritional meal and provide the nutrition there for them. Now, if they don't you know, eat it, there's no law that says we got to force every kid to consume what's put provided for them and it's healthy. We try to talk to kids. I try to talk to my kids well, when I well, was Mr. Raising, Mr. York Eat green food and you, meat and stuff.
1: You
4: just Mr. use federal guidelines for describing making a meal for a child right
5: that's crazy so so what we're trying
0: i mean it's all over the country other states are doing they're not having a big problem just tennessee has a problem so
5: so mr york if we could get the freedom and autonomy to create now i hope you would agree with me on this we could serve chicken nuggets what if they're grilled what if they're grilled chicken nuggets wouldn't that be healthy for the kids, Mister York?
0: I don't know if that's acceptable
4: ah, by the, let's ask the, the let's ask the there federal it government. There's if it's the good point, Mister York. But
1: how much good charcoal
0: gosh. is going in the kid's system? Oh, what, 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 uh, what chemicals are going in uh, that kid's system? We're all gas gas way off base, Mister York. If it's a George trion-
4: Foreman,
1: uh, and I noticed your uh, well,
0: experts never said take any money away from the federal government. They never said that. That you've had up there in Nashville. They talk about all other things. And how every state can ask for waivers, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the state's waivers are more strict than the federal waivers.
3: Well, that could be – but what's ridiculous here is to presume that the state of Tennessee is not capable of uh, formulating uh, nutritious and attractive meals for school students. The state
5: has the resources to do that. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll move on from this because I think we've – establish where we are on this the, uh, another string attached is when we get into special ed um, there is very little um, uh, uh, creativity that our districts get in how they deliver the education to those kids and so mr york all we're trying to do and i know i know this is a a a partisan talking point but all we're trying to do, Mr. York, and this is what I would hope you would expect your elected officials to do before we just openly craft legislation and do something, we're trying to get the data and analyze it to figure out is it even the right thing to do? And if there's
0: it is, 50 states. In the union stock Scott, And I don't know but a handful of them Are going through this process I don't even know if they're going through the process You all are going through To try (laughs) to not take federal money Most of them are trying to get more federal money to provide more services to children in their state
5: well the reason why mr york they're they're asking for more federal money is because everybody's sales tax revenue is down so much from the terrible policies of the biden administration no, that, the, that all the state mr york come on that's not the
0: case you can have that talking You're, point and put it in your pocket well but that's not happening
5: so so to, to pull back on the topic here, Delk. Yeah, um, we are next week. We will get some testimony from teachers that are in the classroom about the uh, about the provisions laid out in federal law that they have to comply with when it comes to testing and data collection and how they deliver education. And then that's when we're going to start to see the rubber meeting the road. Is there an advantage to saying no to the federal money and supplanting that with our state dollars? And so that's what we're trying to figure out, folks. Is it better for the check to come from the state of Tennessee or is it better for the check to come from the state of Tennessee and the federal government? What benefits, and I hope, Mr. York, you would support this, what benefits our teachers, our classrooms, and our districts when it comes to teaching kids an education.
0: But there Scott, you. here's the thing. You all have been a, a big push in the last year or two on how you're going to improve education across the state of Tennessee. Yes, sir. Tennessee overall is not where they need to be in education. You you put money in, and now all of a sudden you're gonna take money out.
5: Who said that? M- Mr. York, sense. Mr. You, York. You that's owe
0: TSU almost two billion dollars. You hadn't even funded. A major university, Mr. should have been York. Mr. York,
5: Scott has not mentioned taking money out, Mr. York. That's that's a that's a left talking point. You got to stop doing that now because now, nobody's talking.
0: Left, if you're going to reject money, that's taking something out.
5: No, it's not, Mr. York. I started this Delk. I think I started this whole conversation by you saying you said that the yeah. idea was to replace federal money with state. Money. That's it. So if 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 Murray County's getting a hundred million. Next year they're gonna get a hundred million. It's just gonna it's gonna depend on who writes that check. And But if, if I
0: got one point one billion sitting on the sideline that I reject, I'm gonna just spend taxpayers dollars out of the hundred million. That's gonna last just for a short period of time.
5: So here's the, here's the last question I'm gonna ask you, Mr. York. If we continue to take the federal money that you propose. And we continue to struggle with education in Tennessee. And Mr. York, I'm not going to go into the numbers because I know you know them just like I do. Education is in a downward spiral in the state of Tennessee. But if we could come up with a solution that would give our kids, especially our underserved and inner city kids, a better opportunity at a successful life instead of turning to gang violence, drugs, alcoholism, teen pregnancy, and incarceration, I would hope that that would be a nonpartisan issue, and all Tennesseans would support that. Correct?
0: That's that's a nonpartisan issue for every state across this. Union.
5: Well, Mister Mr. York, I don't represent New York. I represent the people. Well, I know, but the it's, great the, it's of Tennessee. the mission
0: of every state. Mm-hmm. What you what you doing is just that's that's
5: general it's called, practices. It's called we le- want
0: to educate kids across the board, no matter what condition or economic condition they are in. We still want to educate every possible kid, give them as much education. So those that can uh, have a career and do the things to take care of themselves, make contributions to society. That's the point.
3: All right, Mr. York, it's it's break time. And, Scott, I hope you'll stay with us to the other side if you can.
0: Uh, I'll I'll try. All right. (laughs) I know it's hard, Scott. I know it's hard. (laughs)
3: Three News with a View, Thursday edition. This is our last show of the week. Tomorrow morning on this station, this time inside Middle Tennessee with Jim Ross and company. And we'll be back with you on Monday morning. You can, uh, of course, if you want to watch us and listen to us, you can go online at the WKOM website. Uh, if you want to catch uh, archives of our shows, they can be found with with video, can be found on the WKOM website. Uh, we do, this uh, podcast goes out to all the regular podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, You can go find the podcast there of this show and listen to it at your convenience. And uh, we hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back with us on Monday morning. Dude number two, Clayton Harris has stepped out because the fire department is outside
5: <laughs> we're not on fire
0: with, <laughs> y'all know, not on fire are
3: you no, fire. no i mean that's i think clayton's trying to explain to him that we're we're not on fire that we know of
0: we got a heated discussion <laughs> but not on fire yet that's exactly. what set off the
3: alarm right there that's no. what set off the alarm and, <laughs> and we don't have we as far as we know we turned off the alarm year disconnected it years ago uh But apparently it you know, it somehow it it still lives and is sending out false reports of fire. So who knows? Whatever. We do appreciate though that the uh, Columbia Fire Department Yeah, I mean we appreciate that they're here and they're responding. So we'll get it worked out. Maybe we'll invite him
5: in for a cup of coffee or something. Hey, Doug, speaking of firemen, just let everybody know, the Rural Fire Department grants just went out from the state of Tennessee. So we got uh, Mr. Brian Ball here. Hopefully our county commission will make sure that we apply for that uh, Rural Fire Department grant and get some more more materials for our, our rural firefighters. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You're okay with that, right, Mr. York?
2: Yeah, that's good. All right, that's there we, we, make re, we, state we, money. Make we, money and federal money.
5: It's state money, sir. We'll
2: make sure the Safety Committee gets on that one. All yeah.
5: right.
2: <laughs> All right. Okay. And, of course, Jerry Bridenball
3: is here with us. He's uh, chair of the Murray County Republican Party, a member of the Murray County Commission. Welcome, Jerry.
2: Good morning, everybody.
3: Thanks good morning. for being here. Mr. Jim York, dude, number one. We just heard from him. Good morning again, yeah. Mr. York.
0: Thank you. Good morning, everybody.
3: And State Representative Scott Specky, who's talking about the... Um, education committee meeting going on right now talking about whether or not it would be to the states state of tennessee's
5: advantage or not to uh refuse to accept federal education funds can i can i I chime in real quick del yeah go the advantage is not for the state of tennessee the advantage is for our districts our teachers and our students that's what we're focusing on Mm -hmm. financially it's a wash either way either we're going to write a little bit bigger check Or we're going to write the same check we always have. But what we're looking at is trying to figure out is does this give us an advantage in our classrooms for our teachers and our students so that they can get a better opportunity to learn. This is what it's all about, trying to figure out. Does it create creativity and autonomy? And Mike's a teacher here. And Mike, I could ask you this: If you could get better creativity and autonomy in your classroom to educate these kids, would that be beneficial as a teacher? Coach oh, Mike yes. Lyle on the board.
4: Yes, it'd be extremely beneficial. Uh, another thing that I would like to see happen is that you know the, the uh, accountability programs. For the mm-hmm. teachers, become consistent mm-hmm. and reliable. We are working on that, and that—that's been one of the biggest problems I've—I've had—is mm-hmm. that for years, uh, you know, under the old competency exam, and it had its flaws and stuff like that. But we all knew, we all knew what mm-hmm. the measuring stick was. We knew what the parameters were, and we knew what we needed to accomplish. Uh, you know, we changed that to—I uh, forgot exactly what the term TVOS. What the, Uh TVOS and the. The measuring stick kept changing. Correct. And you never knew until after the test was over what you were being measured against. That's correct. That's correct. And that drove me, you know, if I'd have done that as a teacher, I probably would have been fired. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, that was really uh, upsetting as far as because that was also that, our evaluation as just,
5: teachers. A lot just, of our evaluation came on those but, scores. All right. But just to explain to folks, T VOS is what? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> Tennessee, See, it's a program. It, it, Tennessee value-added value added. achievement. Achievement. But, <laughs> well, at any rate, at
3: some point in time, this became... Yeah, this became it was a, called a headache, it, is what yeah. it, was. <laughs> it,
5: it was. It was the reason why we are the only state. But this state. became
3: the testing. Uh, uh,
5: it, it became the way to regiment. measure the success of a teacher. Yeah.
3: And so this is student tests. It's basically achievement tests yeah. of some sort. Well,
5: it, 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 it's growth. It's achievement. It's other measurables that a teacher does to measure how well the teacher is in the classroom. And, and we are the only state in the country that still uses it. And I'll give you one guess why. may want to take a guess? Well, it was created at the, the University, University of Tennessee.
4: Yeah. Oh, there we go. So, no other states yeah. use it now. The testing platform that was used to you to yes. to measure that. Uh, right. so we so how long ago did it crashed t- three or four yes. times in a row? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and this is this is it lot. became very unreliable.
5: How it long became,
3: how long ago did Tennessee adopt Tivas as its uh, testing probably? Over a decade ago, yeah, somewhere. and it still remains. The yeah, and, yeah,
5: that's some consternation we have right now. We're trying to work with our new commissioner to see if there's a better evaluation tool we can use for our teachers. But it okay.
2: sounds like that it's a it's a sliding scale. This week in A is a ninety-two, and next week in A is a ninety. Well, the whole problem no. with Tivas
5: well, is if, it was also a predicted
4: score yeah. against a actual score, and the predicted mm-hmm. score would not come out until after the test
5: was taken. So this is a whole <laughs>
4: so other... the reality <laughs> never meets
2: expectations anyway. Uh,
5: this is a whole other subject, and I'll be happy to come back and no. give you two hours on that if you want. Sure, but, right. uh, hey, uh, hey, Scott. Yes, sir.
0: Uh, let me ask you something. I think the, you know, the experts you had up there this week, uh, I think, d- did a lot of recommendations on waivers, modifications mm-hmm. when you take federal money that the feds do agree to, because yes. a lot of other states have done it. Yes, but I don't want to see the state stop taking money and start funneling money to private schools and not serving the needed districts that need money across the state and pick and choose winners. In other in other words, uh, district by district or area by area, it needs to be across the board and it needs to be what's going to benefit the children. And we need to work on how do you get people to teach in mm-hmm. public schools.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, there's another two-hour conversation. There's another 2 I can have it with you right there. You know, I, I'll um, tell you,
3: where, and, and and I'm all ears to Scott and what's going on in this education committee. And, and I, uh, Wayne Lindsay, who I, I'm getting to know and, and becoming uh, an admirer very much, who is on the uh, Murray County uh, school board. School board. And, you know, people seem to be divided. you know, in our conversations here or whether it's on social media or whatever. You got the people who get rid of the federal money. We hate the feds. And then you got the, you know, Mr. York's going, we need the federal money. It's the right thing to do. And, you know, Wayne was asked on this show, you know, should should we decline to accept the federal money? And Wayne goes, you know, I haven't seen what that would look like yet and until i see what that would look like i don't know whether i'm for it or against it and i, I think that's where i am i'm that's where we I'm, are i'm mm-hmm. i'm all ears to this committee uh trying to see what you know what the outcome would be if we decline federal funds and until at least i can figure that out
5: then i don't have a personal position on it if if you and and to just kind of piggyback on that we are looking at does it give us an advantage in the classrooms for our teachers and our kids that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to take all this information that we've received so far in these five committee meetings and there's going to be more next week and then try to figure out does it give us an advantage in the classroom for our kids and our teachers? That's all we're trying to figure out. Does it create more time in the classroom for teachers to be teachers? Does it give more help to the kids to be to be better students? Do we gain flexibility at the state level being able to pass down flexibility to the locals? Because but
0: Scott, that don't come with skill, professional Teachers who yeah. have mythology and techniques That's to reach the kids of the modern day. These the kids of the modern day learn differently from the way I did
5: and Delk and uh, all of us old well, people. Well, Mr. York, I'm but gonna, they I'm learn.
0: Push. But you got to adjust to what's going on. And if you're not a professional educator, you don't know the techniques.
5: Well, Mr. York, I, I, you had me for a little bit, and then you lost me as you kept going there. Technology was never you was never supposed to I'm not be used saying
0: technology i well, say technique
5: mr york you would do well in the general assembly because you keep interrupting when you ask when you make a statement <laughs> let me make a statement <laughs> all right it, but stay on topic ah, <laughs> thank you okay mr york um, technology was never made to supplant the teacher in the classroom It was made to support the teacher in the classroom. And what we're getting into right now, and you've kind of touched on it, are teachers that are going through our education prep schools are starting to lean more and more on technology instead of more and more on techniques on how to educate. And that was the whole premise behind the literacy bill, Mr. York, was to teach teachers how to teach reading. And we've had tremendous success. And I can tell you we've had tremendous success by look at our scores in the state have climbed nine points in two years. That has been matched nowhere in the country. I'm telling you, Mr. York, I'm really excited about this coming spring with these kids that have had two years of this phonics training, two years of the summer school opportunities, and two years of tutoring. Mr. York, we might have some reading scores coming out in third grade this year that we haven't seen in probably 40 years. Now, that would be expendable. That's what we all are trying to get, Mr. York. Right? We're all trying to get these kids to learn yep. how to read, write, and do math, right? So that exactly. they can, so that they can take advantage. And so, circling back to the original comment, if keeping the federal money makes that happen, okay. If not taking the federal money makes it even better, that's what we got to try to figure out. And Mr. York, I, I haven't heard that compelling argument yet. I'm trying to figure out. Is it worth not doing it? But, but
0: Scott, again, according to the discussion in Nashville, your experts have not talked about rejecting any federal money. They've talked about everything else oh, except yeah. rejecting federal funds.
5: Mr. York, let me ask you a question. If we asked for a waiver and said just block grant the money down to Tennessee and we'll stay compliant with all federal law, what do you think the feds would say on that?
0: They're going to tell you no because that's oh, a blanket request.
5: That's go. a blanket
0: mm-hmm. request. But Mr. You York, can go to specific programs and you might be able to get waivers.
5: Mr. York, do you know but that you we're going to... But you
0: also have to have a plan, Scott, what you going to do in place of what they're proposing.
5: So, Mr. York, did you know that we're the only state in the whole country that has a block grant for our Medicaid? Medicaid? Yeah.
0: And we still got 300,000 people that don't have health care, right?
5: Well, remember, Mr. York, the bulk of those, like 85 or to 90% of those are all able-bodied men who are choosing not to work right now.
0: Not necessarily, Scott.
5: Not necessarily. I didn't say everybody, Mr. York. I said a percentage.
0: A lot of females with kids that are single that can't get
3: insurance oh, all right all right, all right. Ooh, we're all going right. off all right. on weird anyway,
5: thing here. anyway we um, will this, continue delk i will I i'll come back next week again yeah after the committees and i'll give you another update of where we are Is yeah that fair?
3: and i appreciate that and if you would you know keep us updated like i said i i thought wayne lindsey's point was well taken he said i don't know if i'm for federal funds or against federal funds i need to see what's going the plan what's going to happen if mm-hmm. you know and uh and and so if you can keep us updated on and, – and I take it you're com- the committee is just is trying to figure that out right now. Correct. We really don't have – We don't have the whole story yet. Yeah. We're trying so to figure it out. If we can figure out what the uh, result would be or you know the expected result, uh, if federal funds were declined or not, then um, we can have a conversation. We tell every, us a conversation about and it. And that's what we're trying to get to. There you go. All right. Thank you.
5: I'm headed north. All
3: right, man. Thanks.
5: Thanks, Scott. You got to miss York.
3: (laughs) All right, it's break time. We'll be back in a minute with Jerry Bridenbell and talk about what's going on around here.
5: This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
4: Are you looking to turn your car into cold, hard cash today? Don't look any further than Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. You probably know us for selling cars, but did you know we're in the business of buying cars? That's right. We buy all makes and models at top dollar every day. Show up with your car and leave with cash. It's that easy. Stop by today to get a written offer on your vehicle. Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia is family owned and proud to serve our community. You can count on us.
1: of Hiller's biggest sale ever on HVAC systems this month. Get up to $2,600 off select new HVAC systems from now until November 15th. If you know you'll need a replacement soon, now is the time. With Hiller's biggest sale ever, you'll save thousands and keep your family warm all winter. Get up to $2,600 off. Visit happyhiller.com today.
3: Call the Happy Face Truck today. you again monday my name is del kennedy i'm dude number three dude number two clayton harris what's going on man
4: not a whole lot good morning del good morning everybody
3: dude number one mr jim york how are you good morning del good morning everybody and we've got uh jerry brydenball with us who is chair of the uh, murray county republican party and also a member of the murray county commission good morning jerry
2: good morning del good uh, good way to help you wrap up your four-day work week there we go yeah. there we go uh, jerry the uh <laughs>
3: I understand. I mean, you and you may you know talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. You're our guest here. We want to hear what's of concern to you, uh, both as chair of the Murray County Republican Party and as a member of the Murray County Commission. Um, you know, I, I I think the last I heard that the commission was taking up the animal shelter this week because it's uh, reached capacity and more capacity is needed, needed. Many people may not know that Murray County has a uh, no-kill animal mm-hmm. shelter. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I think that's something that most people appreciate, but it costs money.
2: Well, it does. And and it's, it's like anything else. There's two sides to the argument. Of course, the animal shelter falls under uh, the auspices of the Health and Environment committee and so they provide their reports to them and any decisions that uh, are made regarding the animal shelter start there and then move to the full commission like a lot of the committees work but when you see uh, the reports every month um and and you see Used to see the number of animals, dogs that were put down, just simply because they weren't wanted. Um, it's just heartbreaking. So while I appreciate the the no kill policy, because I don't, I just don't know that I could ever do that. You're right. Once you get to capacity, you got to have somewhere to put them.
3: Right. And of it's, course, it comes it comes at a, a pretty steep price to yeah. have a no kill policy.
2: And and a lot of the folks out there are, are volunteers that give of their time and and uh, they they do a fantastic job in that respect but i guess when you look at it it's a a multifaceted issue and the best thing frankly in a perfect world the best solution would be for the general public to step up and say you know folks come to the animal shelter adopt a pet adopt a dog um you know i grew up with i don't remember a time when i didn't have a dog uh, at the house <laughs> me and, neither we have two now. One of them we just got uh, is a is a blue tick beagle. Um, oh, those are great. About two years old. My wife loves the, the – I call it a bark, but it's really more about a howl. But he, um, he came out of uh, northern Alabama, as a matter of fact. That's where he was found. And uh, we picked him up from a local shelter here in Spring Hill. And you can tell that this dog was abused as a young pup um, because if you just – if he hears a sound, um, I will – i'll pick up the broom to sweep the floor and he'll tuck his tail and take off um you know that's the things that that tug at your heartstrings that go how yeah. can you how can you yeah. do that so the the best solution is for these animals to be adopted to go to loving homes and for people to care for them and and let's uh, the no kill policy is designed i know for them to survive and to be adopted but then we as a general public have to step up and do our part and actually adopt these pets
3: There you go. Murray County Animal Shelter is located right on the edge of town on Tom Hitch Parkway. I'm sure you can get more information on the county's website. Uh, And uh, uh, if you're looking for a pet, uh, your help is needed. Uh, And and like I said, the the no-kill policy is a wonderful thing to have but it takes community support and so yeah
2: and i I say kudos to i don't know all of them so i'm not going to try to name them but our our local vets that provide services to these dogs and when you adopt and and you they make uh you make an appointment to have it spayed or neutered um at a at a lesser rate from what i understand from what i believe is still the policy um you know kudos to those folks Forgiving of their time and their special services to be able to help people to do that, and while we adopt the ones that are alive, we help to control the population so that they're not they're not running all over the place.
3: Okay, that's a, that's a good cause and a good thing, y'all. I found out something yesterday that I did not know, Coach. If you got uh, a, a Mr. Tambourine Man bump over there, uh,
4: not quickly available.
3: <laughs> okay, okay, uh, sing it. <laughs> So, so I bet, Jerry – Jerry, do you remember the a, a group uh, from the 60s called The Birds? Yeah. By, yeah. Yeah. All right. Graham Parsons. I found this out yesterday. Uh, right up here on Barra Court where I, I lived when I was a little boy, uh, our next-door neighbors were uh, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Wilkes. Well, Mrs. Wilkes was the aunt to Graham Parsons. Really? a member of the birds and Graham Parsons' dad... I did find it now. Give us a little hit of it. Give us about 15 to 20 seconds. Here we go, the birds, folks.
1: Hey, Mr. Tamarine, and play a song for me. I'm not sleepy, and there ain't no place I'm going to.
3: All right graham parsons was a member of the birds and that was a hit song for him back in the 60s i'm not jerry and i do remember it I th- well i i i
2: was about probably six years old when that came well, out i was I, 10 maybe yeah. yeah, a
3: little older but uh yeah. dr ms Wilkes lived next door to us on bear court right here in downtown Columbia, tennessee and ms Wilkes was the uh aunt of graham parsons who was a member of the birds uh graham parsons dad had actually attended and graduated from columbia military academy back in the day
2: that goes way back that goes way
3: back and uh so i saw a picture yesterday that uh dr mrs wilkes's children were buddy and nancy who were my next door neighbors and i played with them they were a little older than i uh, but we've. We, I, I even got my nose broken in a baseball game in their front yard at one point. But the uh, uh, but somebody came in. Who was that who came in with that picture, Clayton? A friend of the station. Um, uh, 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 James, Richard. James Richards. James Richards, an interesting and very talented guy, came in with a photograph of my next-door neighbor's buddy and Nancy Wilkes, uh, Sitting in that in the home at their home at Barracord, and Graham Parsons is sitting there with them playing the guitar. Of course, Graham Parsons would have been their first cousin, mm-hmm. and uh, so things you learn about Columbia every <laughs> doggone day. Hey, <I>, you know, <laughs> I mean,
2: it, it's just amazing the contacts, the the history that Columbia has with the music industry and and a lot of the other popular culture things in the country. It just it's amazing the people that have been here. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it, the coolness of Columbia. Well, Jerry, let's we we have a few more minutes and I'm going to I guess put your Republican hat on here for a minute. Um you know, the, the the off-year elections, the Republicans didn't do so well around the country. There weren't any there weren't any warning weren't like there weren't there was nothing on the ballot in Tennessee, was no.
4: there? No. No. Yeah. Well, they've done bad in 18 18- 20 22 and now 23 I, I mean, people always tend to put you know
3: we talk about the off year ele- elections and I, and I've not ever noticed any Correlation between what happens in the off year and what happens in the regular year that comes. I really have
0: a. I
2: from and I haven't studied it. I, there's a couple of folks well, I in, in our party that just... has and and one of the things that uh, we're looking at now. We have a, a gentleman that um, uh, has put together a lot of the numbers and and the off years and the the decrease in public participation in in the. Vote now. Of course, Tennessee didn't have anything on the ballot this past month, so you know turnout was zero. But it—I've um, not seen anything like you said that that in twenty in twenty-three that would lead to a, an expectation of a low turnout in twenty-four. And I don't expect that because of what the presidential race is going to be, and and the primaries and the general election. I mean, it's going to be a massive turnout, but that's driven by. The national ticket, and when you get into the off-year elections, that's where we have a challenge of getting people registered, getting them out to vote, um, and and being concerned with what goes on here locally. One of the things that we discussed, and, and as you know, there are there were 15 new members on the commission that were elected this year, and and one of the things that we tried to take to heart was. The local government, whether it's a county commission, whether it's a city council, uh, the school board—these are the individuals that impact the lives of the county and the city citizens on a daily basis. What happens in Washington is important. What happens in Nashville is important. But what happens in the local government here in Murray County, Columbia, Spring Hill—that's what impacts your life as a citizen of this city and this county. And those are those should be the driving factors that that send you to the polls. Okay. Well,
0: Jerry, uh, Delk mentioned this a while back, and, and it's still going to dominate, I think, the, the upcoming elections, and that's women's reproductive rights. That seems to be the major issue across the board. I don't care if you're local, if you state, or you federal. That issue is going to drive a lot of uh, different opinions, and it's going to drive the election in the upcoming 2024.
3: You know, and Miss York, me, you call it. Uh, well, let me let me. You know, and, and we saw uh, abortion rights victories, uh, and, abort- we, and we saw an abortion right victory by popular referendum in Ohio, and we saw uh, abortion rights being center stage uh, in the debates for the elections in Virginia, where the pro-abortion people won. Uh, so but but let me say this i mean i'm not pro-choice or uh pro-life i'm pro good conservative responsible republican government and since 2010 in the state of tennessee our budget's been balanced you know you can pick at our services but our services are good and uh you know you can pick at this or that but overall our services are good our budget is balanced our government is responsible and uh, we just don't have the problems you see in other states. We don't have, you know, a, a ridiculous identity politic type stuff going on. So I, I still contend that if Republicans want to be the supermajority in the state of Tennessee, unless they come to some adjustment on this abortion issue, that their supermajorities uh, are in danger. And so uh, in, uh, in Ohio yesterday, the uh, uh the state overwhelmingly passed a constitutional right to abortion in a state that it is a republican state a very necessary state for a presidential win and had previously had a six-week ban on abortion from a republican legislature and governor Uh, jerry you grew up in ohio right
2: born and raised there yeah yeah 13
3: percent is ohio different from tennessee
2: In terms of in in some in some instances, Uh, first off, Jim, I do agree with you. In in one instance, I I think that the abortion issue is is going to be on a a national level, um, a a hot topic. Whether it is here in the state of Tennessee or not, a very conservative state, um, is yet to be seen. Um, The issue in Ohio, when I was up there earlier, uh, they had an amendment on how to change the constitution. That amendment failed, and so what happened in there up there? This past week um, was that the the to change the Ohio Constitution, the Ohio Constitution requires a simple majority, 50 percent plus one. Now, obviously, that's a lot different than here in the state of yeah, Tennessee, which is, a is entirely quieter. different. And, yeah. and I, 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 I disagree with that concept that by a simple one-vote majority you can change the state constitution. No, and t- I Tennessee doesn't have be, that. No, it should I mean, be more difficult than that. It Tennessee have it. is, a, is, but the, different. but the point is, in you know, Ohio,
3: you know, the fifty percent carried the day, and, and abortion rights were, enshrined. but it was, yes, and, and and Tennessee, though, I mean, I don't think we're going to get a, a majority yeah. pro-abortion right now. But you know, if it just changes five percent of the vote, that could change the difference between a D winning and an R winning.
2: To answer your question, I think Tennessee is more conservative now than Ohio. Ohio has always been a red state, but it's it's it's
0: it's not purple, but it's moving that direction. What town do you live in, Ohio? Chillicothe. I I grew up in Youngstown. Okay, that one.